1: All righty. Hey, Roach, before we get our next guest and he's sitting there waiting at the moment, he'll be blushing because he's a modest man, John Casey, the voice of basketball. We need to do our unmissable moment. Will you do? Yes. Which wanted. is, uh, Roach, <laughs> yes. there's a credit involved. They pay want, for this. Yes.
0: You what? I wanted to go there. I wanted to ease your burdens. What, do the credit? Yes, because oh, the oh, unmissable geez. moment for Drinkwise, because you won't miss a moment if you drink wise, Yes. they allow us to correct a massive, a massive miss by us. Mm-hmm. As you've said, this man is the voice of Australian basketball.
2: Around, they're getting their switches. They're getting hands on the basketball and making it really difficult. For oh. oh, my goodness. Oh, what a play from Chris Goll maybe the assist of the year. Oh, yes. That's oh, assist of the year.
0: Oh, hands up on the back of my neck already. Rick. We missed it. He called his 1,000th NBL game while we were away. I was so now, January. Yeah, so we missed it. It was for us an unmissable moment because, well, we weren't here. We're going to correct all that now. Our special guest is John Casey. We're doing intros as well, Roach. Hello, Case.
2: <laughs> G'day there, Kimbo. Hi, Roach. Thank you very much for One, acknowledging uh, that milestone. Thank 1, you.
0: 1,000 has become how many
2: now? Uh, 1,009 as of yesterday. Wow. So, uh, and looking forward to 1,010 when the boomers play career. On Thursday night in Bendigo, so in a Nation Cup qualifying game. So, yes, the numbers roll on. If and I could give you the moment
0: to just have one of those games all mm-hmm. over again for any reason, I'm not preempting this, which one would you take and why?
2: Oh, wow. Look, uh, it's hard to go past the bronze medal game that the, uh, the Boomers won. Um, that's one that will uh, stay with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, Perhaps the other one that I would throw in there – well, there are two others, but um, the one physically I was at was uh, the Boomers defeating the United States in 2019 in front of more than 50,000 people at – at Marvel Stadium, so I mean, that's—I doubt that crowd's ever going to be beaten uh, again. Uh, and uh, to beat the USA for the first time was yeah. uh, was fantastic. To actually, be there, courtside, soaking up the atmosphere is so much better than calling off the tube like we mm. were when we won bronze in Tokyo. And when the Australian women won the gold medal in Brazil in two thousand and six yep. was the, the other one I was referring so to. When so was those game three one? games certainly. Uh, sorry, when, when was game, game one? one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we're going back to my uh, my first year at uh, Channel 7 uh, at Apollo Stadium back in
0: 1987. Oh, there's a journey. There is a journey. Peter Alloy. And- <laughs> wow.
2: Yes, Post- in fact, and, and Peter Alloy uh, is going to be inducted into the 36ers Hall of Fame this Friday night, which I'm very much looking forward to uh, to attending. And still calling with the same passion. Is it—is it your great love?
1: It was a lot of people weren't aware with everything that Bruce McIverney has achieved as a commentator. And as good as he was with football and the Olympics, his first love has always been horse racing. Mm. Yourself?
2: Uh, look, um, I enjoy calling. Any sport that I've had the opportunity to do, uh, and they're all different, and I enjoy them for many different reasons. Basketball wasn't my first love growing up, I played a okay. lot of football and played a lot of cricket, as, as most kids do in the backyard growing up. Um, but uh, basketball is the one that I've been involved with for the longest period of time five mm. decades. So, uh, and I do enjoy it, and uh, I enjoy going and uh, you know, the sort of the challenge of doing a good job of it and taking the audience to the game as best you can. Uh, and at basketball, you're so close to the action and right up and close and personal, uh, even to the extent there yesterday at the 36ers game, that was a devastating blow for Will McDowell-White who um, popped a shoulder uh, mm-hmm. in the last quarter on the eve of the playoffs, second time he's done it this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're able to walk... I, well, I know Will really well. Uh, we go back a long way. And I walked over to him when he was sitting on the bench and uh, spoke to him and asked him what had happened. And he, you know, he shares that information that... He, um, he popped his shoulder and that was it and I don't think I'll be back uh, for the remainder of the season was his uh, early analysis and to be able to take that mm-hmm. to the audience I think is important yeah. because funnily enough earlier in the game um, Finn Delaney a key player for the New Zealand Breakers had not been on the court uh, up until half time and I asked the medical staff at the New Zealand Breakers, is there a problem here with Finn because they're in uh, foul problems and they really needed his input on the court. He hadn't been out there, and I just presumed that there was a problem. And I asked the medical staff, and I said, is there a problem? And they said, no, he's fine. Um, He just hasn't had his opportunity as yet. So when we got to the halftime break, I thought, I'm not sure that that is the case because he should have been out there by now. So Coach Modi Mayor, when he came back from halftime, I went and spoke to him and said, is there a problem with Finn Delaney? And he said, yes, he has back spasms. They uh, had them early this morning, so he's not playing, he's out of the game. And it's the opportunity when you're in the venue and at the game to be able to... Uh, you know, utilize those contacts that you have and the relationships that you've built where coaches and players that are in the heat of the battle are yeah. happy to communicate with you. And it's just a special uh, privilege, really, to get that close to the action and be oh, that so. involved in the game when, oh, so. if you're like me and have uh, a small modicum of talent that um, you know tapered off very quickly in my own sporting <laughs> career, it's uh, just excitement that uh, you can't get.
1: Oh, well, congratulations, Case. Yes. There's plenty more games to call and a various uh, array of sports. Uh, just quickly, the, the the best person you've commentated with?
2: Oh, look, Andrew Gaze is such a passionate man. He springs to mind uh, automatically because um, we, Andrew and I, have called so many games with the Boomers when it's meant so much. And for so long, Australia were the bridesmaids and just couldn't stay, take that next step onto the podium at the Olympic Games, which is the pinnacle, of course, um, for the, uh, you know, for Australian basketball. So uh, I think Gaze pretty hard to go past. His eyes full of energy. But yeah, I have to say, I enjoy calling with Ever. I'm sure you do as well, uh, Kimbo, in the sense that, uh, different players and different mm. commentators do things differently. You're learning all the time. You're building relationships. So there's a lot to learn every time you step into a commentary box. And as I say, it's a real privilege. I'll
1: put that on a plate for you. I open the door for you. I thought you might have said me, Case gets Oh, okay. uh, All right, let's go. No, let me no, then I'll ask go. the follow-up <laughs> question.
0: Because you're in an international sphere, John, and then you get to see some of the big names that have called basketball in so many mm. different places, is there one commentator – that it was the crowding moment for you to be able to go and introduce yourself or vice versa, or how that plays out at in an international event?
2: Uh, look, not necessarily, uh, Rooch, because um, you know, a lot of the time the commentators, we don't actually get to share time together. Yeah. Everyone's off yeah. doing their own thing. Or, uh, And I, I do recall being at the uh, Rio Olympics, and our commentary position in Rio was so far away from oh, courtside okay. that yeah. uh, Andrew Gay's suggested that uh, the game from where we were sitting was just a rumor. Um, The binoculars certainly came in handy trying to call that game. But I have to say, one that does spring to mind is I did have the great fortune of calling boxing with Colonel Bob Sheridan uh, in Sydney one night. He was out for um, a promotional visit here in Australia and uh, just one of the greatest boxing commentators in the history of the sport. Uh, And the thing that I'll always remember about Colonel Bob Sheridan was that he was such a professional that he he didn't come in and, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the people in Australia probably got no clue what they're doing. He was uh, very complimentary and he shared the airtime and he was very... Supportive. Um, he was just a beautiful man, and an opportunity to uh, to call an international event, a world title fight with someone like Colonel Bob Sheridan was certainly a thrill. I'll Great tell you stories. what, Casey. Uh, uh, every,
1: yeah, everyone's trying to surf yeah. your wave at the moment. Uh, the texts are coming through thick and fast. This one says, "Can you please ask John who his favourite director is? Now, what name would
2: you give?" <laughs> <laughs> My favourite director? Come on! Wow. I tell you, I, well, I've worked with some very good directors, and, and it, you can't become a, a director without being very good full stop, but so Guy James is an outstanding oh, uh, director. Oh, you've got
1: it in one. <laughs> he he,
2: uh, he does an excellent job and will be directing the uh, the Boomers game on Thursday night in Bendigo. So, um, yeah, look, Guy goes above and beyond, and makes us commentators look good with does, uh, the yeah. nifty work that he does with his uh, and his fingers on the buttons in the van.
1: Yes, well, I worked with him for a, li- at a lifetime at uh, Channel 9. He's an absolute ripper one of the most professional people out there and it's good to see guy that you're listening to uh SEN all right let's jump into it case it's enough about you you buffhead um (laughs) Adelaide 36 sixers. gee that was a thriller getting up 76 to 70 I watched the last quarter Scotty Ninnis where does it sit to me it doesn't feel like he's going to get the gig
2: no he's going to get the gig no problems at all he is uh look he, he will get the job um he was all but ordained by uh, the executive chairman and club owner Grant Kelly during the corporate function pre-game on Sunday when I hosted. And his words were to, to the audience that were there that uh, they are heavily, heavily leaning toward the interim coach becoming the head coach next season. And I wouldn't be surprised if it is announced on Friday night okay. at the Hall of Fame and, and um, MVP dinner. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, and perhaps they, they don't want to do it there in terms of taking the gloss off the awards that will be presented. But that wouldn't surprise me. I do know that there, there is a meeting on Wednesday uh, that, uh, that it will be discussed further. And I got the impression from Grant that um, unless something dramatically changes, uh, then Scott Ninnis is going to get the job. And I think he oh, well, really deserves it because he's done a great job.
1: Well, Case, uh, Grant Kelly wouldn't say that unless he was going to get the job. But uh, does that mean that they couldn't afford Brian Gorgian because there was a lot of talk about Brian Gorgian? Or was that just uh, wishful thinking?
2: No, no, it's certainly Brian Gorgian put his hand up. He's interested in the gig, and I don't think it's a lack of uh, finances not being able to, uh, to get Brian here because, as we know, Grant Keverley, uh, Kelly has invested heavily in the Adelaide 36s and continues to do so. So, um, no, I don't think that is the case, but I think you know Scott Ninnis has just presented such a strong... Um, argument for to be retained that it's hard to ignore the numbers that he's produced. That was a, a terrific win again on Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday they restricted New Zealand to seventy points, which is the best defensive performance by Adelaide in two years. He finishes the season eight and seven, Scotty, having come in halfway through. Well, it's about fifty
1: fifty though. Uh, I'm playing the devil's advocate here. I, I love Scotty, sure. I've known him a long time, but it's fifty fifty. It's not like over compelling.
2: No, but it's not, it's one, not like two. No, no, I take your point. But they were one win from the finals. Mm. Uh, and if you extrapolate that out, if Scotty had been in charge at the start of the season and if they were he's gone eight and seven. So if you give him double that and take a little bit off, you give him four well fourteen wins his fourth position. Um but it's also the fact that he's been able to improve the players as well. So since he took over in terms of um, you know coaching the team um you've got like seven players who have had mm-hmm. season highs or career highs okay. uh, and he's been able to do it in difficult circumstances in the sense that he's had uh, conversations with players whose minutes have been reduced have been taken out of the starting five and of course that can create some angst and the confidence goes down and your motivation mm-hmm. perhaps goes down when it's uh, you no longer seen to be uh, a key component um but he's been able to get this team and get them wins. And, you know, they've beaten every team this year apart from Tasmania, Adelaide. They've beaten Melbourne, who are hot favourites to win the title. Mm. They've beaten Perth. You know, they've beaten Illawarra. And most of this has happened under Scotty Ninnis's watch. So I think that, um, you know, the way that he's been able to do it. And to beat New Zealand yesterday, when they were playing for a top-four position, without Trey Kell, who's been arguably their best player uh, over the season. Um, you know, I think it speaks volumes for what they were able to do to restrict a team to 70. And in three of the last five games that Adelaide has played, they've restricted their opponents into the, in the 70s. Now, if you're able to do that on a regular basis, which Scotty Ninnis has shown he can do, then that is going to win you a lot more than the 12 games that they won this year.
1: Well, Rich, there's your answer if you're nervous about Scotty Ninnis. And this is why... Case has called over a thousand games. Mm.
0: So John, when you look at the Adelaide thirty sixes rankings of the past five yeah. years, seven, 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 eight, nine, it's not tracking the right direction. We've had Rupert Sapwell last week make the remarks about culture and belief in the singlet, what type of player you have, a mercenary
2: issue he brought up. Where are the Sixers at full stop? Uh, look, they're on the rise, Rooch. And I spoke to Rupert Sappor yesterday at the game about, this, um, about his comments because they did create a little bit did of uh, some murmurings. Um, but I think, you know, look, the other thing, as you know, and we all know, and I love stats, but you can make stats say whatever you want. Mm. Uh, the reality is that this season just completed Adelaide won nine home games out of 14. Now, that is third best in the competition this year. And it is Adelaide's best home game record, winning record, since 2018, since we last made the playoffs. So you tell you, well, that's tracking in the right direction. The crowds have been enormous. And just on it, I think the crowds, the sellouts, that was seven straight yesterday, eight in total on the season. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's had an influence on the results as well. You talk about home court advantage or home ground advantage in any sport, it's certainly mm-hmm. there. And it's a yeah. credit to the Adelaide fans that they stuck with the team when things were going south very early. But let's not forget, they lost their first four games this season for the mm-hmm. first time in 2018 years. So they had a a big hole to dig themselves out of. But so I see that as them on the rise. So yes, they went down in terms of overall wins by one this year. But again, we had two halves of this season. We had the first half when CJ Bruton was in charge and they played thirteen games in the last fifteen under Scotty Ninnit. So I think that he's certainly um, you know, got them steering in the right direction. And you make a good point about the talent. Um look they've invested in talent in the past and it hasn't worked out. Um, But that's, you know, look, everyone can make mistakes in terms of recruiting in the club and put up their hand and have said that they've got things wrong and they're going to get things right from here on in. So they've got DJ Vasiljevic on a three-year contract. They need to try and get hold of Isaac Humphrey's long term. Um, get Scott Ninnis in as coach, and then start working from there. But I think this team, and certainly the vibe that you get at a game, particularly like yesterday, is certainly tracking in the right direction. So uh, this is the sixth year in a row that the 36ers haven't made playoffs, and it's 11 of the last 15 seasons. So it's not what we're accustomed to to see from the Adelaide 36ers. So let's remember when Adelaide won their fourth title, Perth had four titles. Now mm. Perth have got ten. Uh, uh, so uh, we are we are looking to improve, or Adelaide is looking to improve. And the thirty sixes, from what I've seen over the last month or two, under Scotty, Ninnis is certainly tracking in the right direction. But you have to remember, it's a pretty tough competition. You know, there's good teams, and and this year Adelaide's finished with twelve wins, and that's one win off finals and two wins off a semi final. The top four this year was fourteen wins, and Adelaide with twelve. Um, so, you know, remembering that in the run here with Scotty Minnis, they lost to can in overtime back uh, last month when they led by double figures in the last quarter. If they'd got across the line in that game, well... There you go. But I'm sure yes. every team has a game that they could find that would say, if we'd won that exactly. one. Exactly. If
1: Mark Bickley was in here now, he'd, he'd be saying, Case, if butts and candy nuts, it didn't happen. Hey, everyone's listening to you at the moment. Uh, in 30 seconds, <laughs> Paul Bonzer is sent through a text. He says, John Casey, will we see Will McDowell-White in a 36 jersey next season? 20 seconds.
2: Well, look, they went hard for him in the past and everyone's going to go hard for Will McDonald again when he comes out of contract at the end of this season. Super talent, one of the most important players in the NBL. I I would dream that he would come here, but it's going to be tough to get him here.
1: Case, love your work. You're a true pro. I reckon you've got 1,500 games to call in you, another 500.
2: I'll keep plugging away. I always keep chatting, boys. <laughs>
1: there he is, John Casey, an absolute ripper.